Welcome to the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. This is a podcast of stories, stories of devastating loss and grief and heartbreak and struggle, and stories of hope and healing and faith and yes, even joy. Stories that will help us live well while we're waiting to see our children in heaven one day. We pray that these stories will be an encouragement to you as you walk this road of grief. I'm so pleased to have my dear friends Larry and Janice Brown join me on the podcast today. These are the folks who said, let's do it, when we told them about our crazy idea to start hosting retreats for bereaved parents 10 years ago. It was just a few months after their son Adam was killed in action in Afghanistan. And now, 131 retreats later, here we are. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jill. Hi, Jill. It's good to have y'all. You know, a lot of people are familiar with Adam's story. Um, if they've attended one of our retreats, they've heard you tell his story, and or maybe they've read the book about his life. But I was kind of hoping today you all could share a few things with us that people may not be so familiar with about y'all as a couple and about Adam. So how did the two of y'all meet? Tell me a little bit about your uh, dating years and, and those early years. Well, Larry and I had uh, mutual friends. Uh, My best friend was his best friend's girlfriend. And so when they started going out together, uh, we didn't have anybody to hang out with anymore. So they they hooked us up with a a blind date. And um, that was the first time that I'd ever seen Larry. And, uh, you know, we just, that that was it. You know, we went from there. I had graduated high school the year before she was still a senior in high school when we met we went to the same high school but it was a big school so we didn't know each other right but, uh, and it was april 1st was oh april first fool's day, day april and a blind date you know it's just <laughs> it must yeah, have been yeah. meant to be yeah. Yeah. uh yeah and there's there's there were a lot of things that that april fool's day came true <laughs> on but <laughs> We've, we've lasted a 52 wow, years now. Yes, 52 years. That's awesome. So uh, y'all got married and the kids began to come along. Um, you know, I know you said you've, you've told me before that you initially had thought you might just want one child. So tell about, tell about your kids and kind of the early years uh, of their lives. Um, I, you know, when, um, we had Sean, we were so excited, our oldest child, or, you know, how you are with that first one. And, uh, as he got older, you know, we were able to take him places and do things with him. And, uh, uh, especially you get through potty training years. And, uh, so we really thought, you know, this is so easy now we can take him anywhere. And, uh, do we really want more kids? So we really were thinking about just having the one. And then that's when Larry's uh, 21-year-old brother, Joe, was killed in a motorcycle accident. And uh, we really we really realized how, how important it was to have siblings because that, that was so helpful to Larry to have somebody else to grieve with about his brother. And, I'm, I'm from a big family. I have five brothers and a sister, so... Uh, that very, you know, that really meant a lot to me. And so we really felt bad that if uh, Sean, we didn't want him to grow up then as an only child. Well, we uh, decided to have another child. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, we had twins. We had a boy and a girl. 
a brother and a sister. <laughs> wow. And you didn't know you were having twins until just shortly before they were born, right? Right. Pro- probably less than a month before they were born. They x-rayed me. Wow. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was 46 and a half years ago. Sure. That doesn't give you much time to prepare uh, going from <laughs> one no, baby to three. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, we had to rush out and buy one more of every everything. Sure. In a very small house. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Talk about that a little bit. You know, I know the early years of your marriage were, um, I don't know, a little different than than most people's as far as, you know, most people buy a home and kind of settle down in one place. And, and that's not what y'all did. Well, we, we actually did buy a home mm-hmm. and uh, we were, you know, we had our we had our house in an area um, because we picked the school district because Sean was getting older and we wanted sure. a good school district. Mm-hmm. And then the 80s hit. And I'm telling you, uh, Larry's an electrical contractor. Uh, he is now that then he was just an electrician and there was no work here. I mean, it just died. And so we had to go on the road and we decided that we wanted the whole family to go and not separate us. So I'll let you tell a little bit about our road. Well, we spent, uh, we spent almost four years living in a 35 foot travel trailer um, all over the West from the West uh, Western States, Colorado, California, all up and down that West coast. And uh, we would uh, work for a while Managed to get a little bit of money, and first thing you know, I get laid off, and there we'd have to spend everything that we'd mm. saved just to, till we found another job. Sure. About uh, 1983, the summer of '83, was working in Lodi, California, and uh, got laid off, and decided, you know, this is just not working. <laughs> we'd had Sean had been in six different schools that year. Oh my goodness. Wow. So we decided that, uh, well, if we're going to starve to death, we'd do it at home. (laughs) So so we loaded that travel trailer up and come from Lodi, California to hot springs. And wow. And we still had our home there. We had, um, my mother was in real estate and we wanted her to sell it Mm -hmm. while we were gone. And, um, she had other ideas. She didn't even try to sell it. And so we're so thankful that we had a home. Yeah, she was hoping y'all would come back one day. One day. Yes, yeah, she was. So how old were your kids when you came back to Hot Springs to kind of settle in? Sean was in the sixth, sixth. grade mm-hmm. and Amanda and Adam were like the, the uh, second grade, third grade. First grade, don't yeah. I don't remember exactly, yeah. but it was, they were, they were, Yeah. Somewhere. All right. Well, talk a little bit about your kids growing up years in Hot Springs, like what kind of things they were involved with and and uh, what they did in school and that kind of thing. <laughs> they, um, you know, we uh, we wanted our kids to be involved in everything. And, you know, we still didn't have a lot of money or anything, but uh, you don't have to have money to have fun and to be involved with your kids. And so. Uh, they may not have wore the name brand clothes and all of those things, but you know they really didn't seem to matter to them that much. And uh, so they they were all in uh, uh, football, baseball, softball. Um, you know anything they wanted to do sports wise, we made sure we had the money for that. Right. We might eat uh, beans and potatoes that week, but they were going to play that sport. Sure, yeah. sure. 
we just thought it was important for them to, to get out and be competitive. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we all loved it. It was a family thing with us. Yeah. And so we just enjoyed, they enjoyed us coming and we enjoyed watching. Them. Yeah. Made a lot of good memories, didn't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Memories. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. So eventually your kids got through school and started off to college um, Sean and Manda and Adam all went to different schools for college, right? You know, we, Sean was already, uh, at the university of, uh, Arkansas med center. He was getting his degree in, uh, pharmacy and, uh, Manda had just gone to, um, to Henderson state university. She was going to be a radiology technologist. She was getting her basics mm-hmm. and Adam, uh, was the last one to leave. And uh, he went to Arkansas Tech. And, uh, you know, Sean and Manda had goals. They did what what it took to get to their next goal. And Adam was just not quite as focused on what he wanted to be, where he wanted to go. And um, so when he went to his college, he he was kind of lost because, you know, Manda and I always took care of him at home, you know, and uh, he was on his own. Uh, He didn't have any of his friends with him. Um, He'd had a great group of kids that he ran around with him all the way through school. And they they challenged one another. And he didn't have those kids anymore. And um, so he picked new friends and um, didn't do a real good job of it. He didn't really know what he wanted to do. He he loved to compete. He loved sports and he loved uh, football, but he was not real good at it. He was not very athletic. He was. He was athletic. He was small. And he was small, <laughs> but he had a you know if if he wanted something, he just uh, there was no. He just didn't know when to quit. He would. Right. He would try and try and try. And the coaches, they all uh, they all liked that about him. But uh, he, when he went to Arkansas Tech, of course, he walked on as a football. And uh, I think he he uh, he played a played a little bit. He didn't play much, but he uh, he just got wrong. He really he had never really been, he had had a girlfriend or two, but nothing real serious while he was in high school. But he got up there and he met this little girl. And, uh, I think she kind of convinced him and, uh, to try some things that, uh, that he hadn't tried before. And he went down uh, a road that was just, uh, he, everything he did, he did 110, 120%. And, uh, when he started down the road with, with drugs and alcohol, he went, uh, he went big time into drugs and alcohol. And, uh, that's one of those things that we didn't even, uh, you know, we just felt like, oh, he just being, just trying to find himself. Mm -hmm. He just don't know what he wants to do. And, and, uh, Adam and I had always had a, a pretty good relationship. We we butted heads a lot because he was very strong willed. But uh, at some point, I could say, Adam, that's that's it. We're that's this is the way it's going to be. And he okay, mm. but 
it got to where I, it was just no talking to him. There was no, uh, he'd always had a real strong work ethic and that just kind of went to the wayside. And then all he wanted to do was party. Mm-hmm. And I thought, whoa, mm-hmm. uh, and, well, I'm paying for my raising now. So, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he did get into drugs and, uh, before we really uh, knew what was going on, he was addicted to crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just devastating for Janice and I. We just yeah. couldn't believe it. This kid uh, in high school, he'd be the one if, if someone said, who's going to be the drug addict in the school? You know, he, would, he wouldn't have made the list. Right. But he sure did. Well, and that's where... You know, the parents are usually the last ones to believe that, and, and we were just like everybody else. We we didn't want to believe it, sure. but when we did, uh, you know, like I say, he said, we were devastated. And But, you know, we've always been there for our kids, and so we're just going to fix this. And that's when we yeah. started um, sending him to rehabs, to counselors, um, going looking for him. He's He's missing again, and we're out searching the streets for him. And uh, that's that's when we got to the point. Um, uh, I remember one night Larry coming home and, and I'm, I said, hey, he's gone again. What, what are we going to do this time? And and this time, Larry just took my hands and he said, you know, we can't do this. We need God. We've got to go to church. And uh, Larry was raised in a Christian home. I mean, he went all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh I was not. I was raised by my grandparents who were wonderful people. They loved me. I loved them. Um but we didn't pray. We didn't go to church. We didn't talk about God. And uh, But when Larry said that, it was like, wow, that made all the sense in the world. So that's exactly what we did. The next day the doors were open, we were there. And um, for the first time in my life, I really I started hearing about Jesus. I had heard, you know, I, I, I've heard about Jesus, but I was really uh, taking him into my heart. And I, I started listening to the preacher talk about Jesus. Um, I started reading my Bible and I was trying to learn everything I could. I joined a Sunday school class that was just full of mature Christian women. And um, they kept, I, I could not wait to get back each week to that Sunday school class because they were talking about how they led their life that week according to God's word. And, um, and, I, and I, I was just, I wanted to hear that. I needed that. And so um, one night while I was studying my, my Bible, um, I just got down on my knees in my kitchen and, and I asked Jesus to forgive me for my sins, to come into my heart and be the leader of my life. And right at that moment. Now, did all my problems go away? No, they were all still there. And but before we could help Adam, we had to help ourselves. That's right. So that that's that was our turning point. And Adam started getting some some legal trouble, right? Yeah, he uh, after we'd both come back, or I, I came back to the Lord and. We felt like God was telling us that we needed to get out of the picture. We needed to mm-hmm. uh, to let Him handle Adam, and so we we just turned him over to God, and which was hard to do because that means we didn't we there's a you try to help your kids, and most of the time you're enabling them more than you're helping them, 
especially when they're in that condition. And so when we stepped back and told Adam that, uh, you know, we can't do this, you're going to have to do this on your own. You and God are going to have to get this. And so he started trying to stay wherever he could stay. He was living on the streets, basically. But he started stealing things just to to buy drugs. We had Dad tell him that he couldn't come to our home unless we were there because every time he came, he'd steal something if we weren't there. So he just eventually was staying with someone and he stole a bunch of stuff from them and and they uh, filed charges against him. He had a bunch of felony charges against him and uh, we found out where he was. So we had the sheriff go, go pick him up and, and uh, they arrested him, took him to jail, which was uh, very, very hard to do. But uh, you know, the night he went to jail or the, that, night after he went to jail it was one of the probably the best sleep Janice and I had had in months because we knew where he was we knew where he that he was safe uh at least he wasn't going running out on the streets doing whatever right wow so what happened while Adam um he went to jail right after he was arrested and 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 what happened at that point well you know um, we had a new church and we had, uh, we had a pastor, Brother Mike, uh, that we'd gotten real close with. And we uh, asked him if he would go and talk to Adam in jail. And he, he did. He could go at times that we, we couldn't go. And uh, I think he went a couple of times and uh, he ended up leading Adam to the Lord. Mm. And uh, this was just huge. This, this was um, the biggest part of Adam's healing is when he sure. moved the Lord. Yeah. And so he, he accepted the Lord and, um, that's when things started. God started working uh, in ways that we could never have done. Right. Uh, he was, he had to go to court and he had all these felonies. So it was looking really bad. Yeah. Um, but his, the judge said, um, that he would give him one year in, in jail or one year at teen challenge. Mm-hmm. And fortunately Adam chose teen challenge. Yeah. So he went to uh, Sanford, Florida. They don't like to keep them in the same area that they're from. Sure. Um, so he went to Sanford, Florida and was down there for um, 12, 14 months. Um, and it was just wonderful. We loved uh, uh, talking to him on the phone, hearing his new attitude. And we could see that old Adam coming back. Yeah. And uh, it was really a great feeling. And uh, he came home. He had a few slip-ups, which terrified us, but um, we talked to Teen Challenge and, and, you know, found out that was pretty normal. Um, The difference this time, he would come back in with tears just rolling down his cheeks. He didn't want to do this anymore. And so uh, he, he, like I say, he battled it, and I'm sure he he battled it to the day he died, Mm -hmm. but... um, that's when um, he he met Kelly, mm-hmm. and um, they just they just hit it off. Um, she w- she was good for him, um, and they they eventually ended up getting married. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, then Adam hits us with he wants to be a Navy SEAL. <laughs> I'll let you go there, Larry. Yeah, <laughs> <Not> Larry. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's just uh, like say Adam, you you just had to know Adam to to appreciate what you know. All of a sudden, this this off the wall, out of the blue comes. He's going to be a Navy SEAL. And uh, first, if he got married, he just called us, <laughs> told us that he got married, which you know we we could accept that pretty good. We love Kelly. Sure. We, 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 she was and good she for was him. good right. for him. Yeah. She yeah. held him accountable, right. and uh, and he needed that. <laughs> okay. uh, then he said he's going to join the Navy and be a Navy SEAL, and I thought, wow. And my first. Uh, reaction to that was, you know, Adam, uh, you if you go up there and lie to that recruiter and tell him what you've got to tell him to get in, uh, they're going to find out, and eventually you're going to throw it in the brig for lying to these people, and uh, you're, there's a, a lot of things can happen, that, and I don't see many of them being good. Right. <laughs> and. Uh, he said, well, I'm not going to lie to these people. I said, he said, first off, God wouldn't honor it if I lied to him to get in. And uh, I said, well, good luck with that. And, you know, that's when I had to realize that God was in control and God had Adam and God had a purpose and a plan for Adam mm-hmm. because he did get into the Navy without lying to him, told him everything the truth. And God worked it out to where he got in. Wow. And uh, that's just, it, it's unheard of for a guy that's been through his, uh, the things he had been through to to go into the Navy and, and be accepted as he was, as is. Sure. Uh, and, but that's how God started working. And that's where God really, when when that happened, we realized that, well, you know, as long as he's in God's will, God's going to do with him whatever God mm-hmm. wants to do with him. That's right. And, uh, uh, so uh, that was uh, that was quite an experience there. Yeah. So he joined the Navy and met all the yeah. requirements to become a Navy SEAL. Right, right. Well, you know, we thought it, <laughs> we, we really didn't. Uh, when he said he wanted to be a Navy SEAL, you know, we knew if Adam wanted to do something, he could. But boy, that's really hard. Yeah. And uh, but he and Kelly both were determined. And so they moved to uh, San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went through budge training out there. And, um, you know, he she was there to support him at home, wash his clothes, keep him fed, you know, in, at night. And, and Adam did what it took to get through training. I mean, he would call us and say, hey, I got a big test tomorrow and I'm not being able to succeed at it. And this is my last try. We got to be praying, and so that's that's what we do. And Adam would succeed so well, you can only say God did it. Right. And um, so that uh, buds is about six months long. And during that period, Kelly became pregnant with their first child, Nathan. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when Adam w- when uh, Adam was out on the island, it's the last month of his buds training. And uh, they're so excited because all he has to do is just endure this island. And um, she went into labor early and she called and she said, I, I mean, I'm going They're admitting me to the hospital. Can you come? You know, so I'm in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Wow. And 
But we get a ticket. I get a ticket and fly out there. Got there just an hour or two before Nathan was born. So I was able to cut his umbilical cord. And um, so I stayed there with Kelly and Nathan um, until uh, Adam finished his um, time on the island because Kelly did not want him to come off that island. They were too much together. She wanted this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when Adam came off the island, uh, Larry and his and Adam's brother and sister and their spouses all came out, and we watched him graduate and get his um, his, uh, his trident. His trident, mm-hmm. and it was a, just a great time for our entire family because the old Adam was back, and you know. Um, his brother and he had had some bad times because his older brother really didn't like the way he was treating us. Sure. And he was doing all the right things. And Adam was getting all the attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they, they, you know, once, once his brother knew that he was sincere and that this was really mm-hmm. the old Adam, uh, they were just best friends oh. for life. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So he became a Navy SEAL. And went out on deployments and and did all those things, but he wasn't satisfied with just being a Navy SEAL. Is that right? Well, that's, uh, you know, most every SEAL that uh, once they get through training and become a SEAL, uh, most of them want to go on further uh, to what they call the tip of the spear, Mm -hmm. which at that time, we weren't even allowed to say it, but it's a uh, SEAL Team Six right. is the you know that's the elite of the SEALs, and everybody or not everybody, but most of them that are in the SEAL teams, they want to. That's their aspiration. That's where they want to go. And Adams was uh, in that same category, and uh, he was in the teams for. Uh, you have to. To get into SEAL Team 6, they have to ask you if you want to apply to, to try out. Mm-hmm. And he was asked to try out after a couple of years for a SEAL Team the 6. And, oh, yeah, he was excited about it. Yeah, he get to go to, they call it Green Team, which is the training or the tryout team. And uh, he was very excited about trying out, and uh, but then he was – on a uh, training mission with his with his team, and he got shot in his right eye with a simulation round, mm-hmm. and it just destroyed his eye, which was his dominant eye. And so, you know, most of most everybody thought, well, uh, he's going to have to even get out of the seals. That this is a, this is an injury that can't be overcome, but. You know, this is where God is still working in Adam's life. He's got Adam where he wants. And uh, so Adam is convinced that he's where God wants him to be and that he's going to overcome this and still make it to team six. And so he requalifies with one eye in his old team. And then uh, six months later or so, they, they ask him to try out again for team six with one eye. And which is extremely unusual. But in the meantime, he had to go on Af- to Afghanistan with his, with his team and he was in a Humvee accident and he lost two fingers on his dominant hand. So here he is, he's got uh, one eye missing and two fingers on his wow. 
on his uh, right hand. They they had reattached them, but he never did get full uh, use out of them. You know, I'd talk to him and say, Adam, you know, you can get your medical now. You can just uh, you can get out and go on with the rest of your life. And uh, he just says, no, I am where God wants me to be. And I'm staying until God tells me to quit. And uh, he wants me in team six. I just know it. And so he was asked to qualify again with uh, the one eye and limited use of that one hand, and and he made it. And as far as we know, he's the only one to ever make it with those disabilities. So, uh, but, you know, that just tells me that when you're where God wants you to be and when you're doing what God wants you to do, you can accomplish it. God will give you what you need when you need it and the portions that you need it in. So he made it. And uh, he was uh, tip of the spear. He was mm-hmm. living the good life, you know, living the dream. So uh, they were so happy. They it was like a team effort with Adam and Kelly. Him making seals, making seal team six. You know, they work both work so hard at this, and uh, sure. so they were loving it. They had their friends there. Uh, they were all on the same boat they were, and they were just having a wonderful time course enjoying the kids by now uh savannah has come along and uh, uh at this time they're 10 and 7 and uh they come home as often as they can and our family is just you know we can't wait for them to get here to hear that loud boisterous adam walk in the door and just you know make the house explode and uh, so you know we enjoyed it with them and uh, it was just a, a great great time for them yeah Talk about um, Adam's last deployment. I know he had he had gone out on this on this final deployment, and and you got to talk to him on the phone. Um, just a little bit into that deployment, what, what was that conversation like? Well, he uh, he called and he said, "Dad, I've uh, I think God is uh, through with me in the teams." He said, "I, I feel like God is." calling me to uh, to get out of the Navy. said, I don't, I haven't, I haven't got a word about what he wants me to do. said, so while I'm on this deployment, this is going to be my last deployment. He said, but while I'm on this, I want us to pray that God would show me during this deployment what, what he wants me to do after I get out of the Navy. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, about, two weeks before, uh, before he was killed. And, and so we had, we, I told him that we, that I would pray that, that uh, God would show it to him and reveal to him what, you know, where did, what, what was the plan from now on? And, uh, one of the things that, that we always, Adam and I, when we talked, we always talked about a lot of different things, but we'd always end our talks with a prayer. And uh, this time we, we prayed about the situation and and uh, we quoted another one of our favorite scriptures together, which is Romans eight twenty eight, that we know that God works all things together for good for those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we quoted that scripture and, and hung up. And uh, that was uh, 
that was the last time I'd talked yeah. to him. Yeah. So what happened in that final deployment? Uh, well, Adam, uh, his teammates, he and his teammates were tasked to go up um, this this mountain at night, which took them like six hours to walk up there and to take out an enemy that had been uh, severely hurting our, our rangers and uh, Marines. They'd just come down and do these attacks and run back up that mountain. And uh, so they sent Adam's team in to... Um, to take care of the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, they hiked up this mountain uh, most of the night, and they were supposed they were a little late getting there, and uh, evidently they were more or less ambushed when they got to the compound, and uh, there was a lot of lot of gunfire going on, and a lot of a lot of people uh, were. Uh, trapped. Uh, Adam's a couple of Adam's teammates were trapped under some heavy fire, and Adam went flanked around to uh, relieve these guys, and uh, and so Adam was uh, in that process. He was he was hit with uh, several rounds. I, I don't know how many, but anyway, he was he had gotten into the compound, and he was hit in the compound, and then. Uh, they had to get into the compound just to get him and drag him out. These guys that tried to resuscitate him, they tried to keep him alive long enough to get down off of that mountain and get to a helicopter landing zone, which was no easy task. And these guys that were with him, uh, they risked their lives and, I don't know how they got him off, but they did get him to a helicopter landing zone. And but when he got back, the helicopter it was it was too late. Adam, Adam had died there on that mountain. Yeah. What were his uh, final words to his teammates? I've heard several of his teammates talk about it, and you know they. They kept telling him, said, we got you, Adam, we got you. Uh, and mm-hmm. they they said he he just kind of, one of the, the last two words he said, he, he just looked up at him and he said, uh, I'm okay. And uh, we know he is okay. Because when his heart beat the last time and he took that last breath, like he, he was ushered into the arms of Jesus. I, I really think that uh, Jesus hugged him and said, "Well done, mm-hmm. good and faithful." Yeah, I'm I'm sure he did. Such an amazing story and uh, such a sacrifice, um, you know, that Adam made for us, and uh, you know that those those other men on that mountain that night. Um, what heroes they Absolutely. were, you know, I know the sacrifice that your, your entire family has made. And um, I think we as Americans are so grateful for, for men like Adam that are willing to uh, men and women like Adam that are willing to, to put themselves out there and, and defend our nation. So Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. 
So Larry, I know after Adam went to heaven, you were, you were drawn to Romans eight. Uh, talk a little bit about, um, about what that book of the Bible has meant to you. Well, you know, like I said, uh, one of our Adam and I's favorite verses was that Romans eight twenty eight, mm-hmm. and I guess when I uh, after he was with it, we spent about two weeks going to Virginia and back and forth, and it was just a whirlwind of activity, and uh, it, we were just exhausted uh, physically, mentally, spiritually, just every way you can think about. It. We were exhausted after that, about two weeks and. And I come home, and Janice had stayed up in Virginia with with uh, Kelly just to help her for a while, trying to get some things straightened out. Uh, and I was home by myself, and that verse kept running through my head. And I, I you know, that's one of those verses that uh, that I've learned that you you really don't want to hear that, right? For for a while, it's it's not something that's comforting. Mm-hmm. Uh, after you've lost, after you've lost a child, it, it's just something that uh, you go, oh, that you know, this is this is not right. It ain't good, and I ain't gonna I ain't gonna say it's good, and and it ain't right. good. Uh, but that verse don't say that that's good. It just says God is going to work things to good. And so I was drawn to the eighth chapter of Romans, and. I really, uh, I looked at that first verse and, uh, and it actually it starts back in chapter seven where Paul is talking about, oh, wretched man that I am, what can deliver me from this body of death? And then in the first verse of, uh, chapter eight, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I said, you know, that's that's a, a it hit me that being in, you know, what what does it mean to be in Christ Jesus and Christ in you and you in Christ? And it just I was just so drawn to the rest of that chapter that I spent about the next eight months just doing nothing but studying that eighth verse, the eighth chapter of Romans. Uh, I started out, I thought, I'm just going to memorize this chapter. Well, you know, especially after lost a child, memorization is not something that, that comes easy. And now as old as I am, I still don't come easy. But but I, but I then I was trying to memorize it, and I really, one morning, I just felt like God said to me, I don't want you to just memorize it. I want you to know it. I want you to live it. Yeah. I want you to experience this eighth chapter. And, and it really just, it was such an incredible study to see, to just get into the, the nuance of how Christ is in you and you in, you know, in the first uh, 11 verses in chapter eight, the word, the preposition in is is 12 times in that. And, that's a that's a big key to being in Christ and Christ in you and and it was just such an amazing study and uh, that I, it, I still 
go back through a lot of the notes I did every now and then now just to to refresh myself. I still don't remember it. I, yeah. I, I still did not remember, memorize the eighth chapter. <laughs> but uh, but you know it's in there. <laughs> I know it's in there. <laughs> that, uh, so, uh, but that was just a, an amazing time that I, I, I you know, it was, a, it's also strange that I, I really, I, I felt closer to God during that period than I've, than I've felt in a long time that, that I really felt like that God was, uh, was there with me every bit of that way and was teaching me what he wanted me to to learn during that uh, during that period of time. Yeah. I guess when everything else is stripped away, you know, that's that's what it all comes down to. And uh, you know, what a what a gentle savior to just lead you through that psalm like that. That's that's awesome. So Janice, is there any particular scripture or passage that has that has meant a lot to you since Adam went to heaven? Yeah, I, you know, I, I, one thing I've learned um, on this grief journey is that we all deal with things differently, you know, and like Larry was just driven to read those chapters to get into the word. I was not, I, uh, you know, and I think a little bit of it was um, I was a little disappointed, you know, uh, kind of how can you do this, God? You know, we're, we're trying to do the right thing, being obedient. I still loved him. And I, and every day I said, God, I love you, but I could not read the scriptures and I could not pray. And especially when someone asked me to pray for someone in harm's way, because I was like, I don't know what good that does because, you know, God already knows, you know, and uh, I took a Bible study about prayer because I knew I really needed it. I wanted to get back to it. Uh, I was probably six, seven months in there and um, the whole Bible study. I don't remember a lot about it, but one day I read a scripture that I've read forever. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice always. Uh, pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And, and that was just an eye opener to me. Oh, God just said that that's what he wants me to do. And so it doesn't matter if I feel like praying. It doesn't matter if I understand everything. This is what he's told me to do. This is this is a purpose he's given me. And so um, that really woke me up. Yeah. And I thought, OK, all right, I, I can do this. You know, I love God and I, and I still believe God. I've just been very disappointed. And so I started, that's when I started uh, praying. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at first it was really kind of hard. Uh, I didn't feel like just rolling off my tongue like it used to. Right. But as time went by, God God just kind of healed my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it came back and, uh, uh, you know, you can't live without prayer. Right. And right. Um, it's, and I'm thankful um, and, and, it, and you never think that you'll be able to rejoice again after your child goes to heaven. Mm-hmm. But um, I have joy in my life now. So. Yeah. And aren't you glad, you know, that's. Oh, yes. Yes. You, just can't, you can't live in that, in that early rawness forever. You no, know? no. Mm-hmm. God you is have faithful. to go through it, but you cannot stay there. 
Yeah. God is faithful to bring us through it for sure. Yeah. So kind of on that topic, what, what advice would you give to someone um, that is in that very raw place, that very new um, time right after the loss of a child? Do you have any just kind of um, just advice or, or tips that you can give someone? Well, I, I think along the same lines I was talking about, you know, we're different. And so uh, society, people, our dear friends and our family, they see us hurting and they want us to be well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't let them pressure you. They don't understand what they're doing. So don't be hurt. Don't be mad at them for saying what they're saying. But just realize this is going to take me some time. And I have God and I have to work through this. Mm-hmm. And so give yourself plenty of time and don't. If it doesn't feel right to you, don't do it. Yeah. Just do do the next thing, the next right thing. You mm-hmm. know, you can you can do things which may not be the right thing. Right. But if if you can just get up and take a shower or, or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. if that's all you can do that day, do it and and uh, get up the next day and try to do something else, but Give yourself time. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be so critical of yourself right. because I, I guess what really uh, surprised me was the actual physical hurt mm-hmm. that uh, I, I had no idea that uh, you could actually physically hurt from grief. Yeah, and uh, that uh, that was an eye opener for me, and I thought, wow. This is this is different, but, yeah. but uh, don't don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Um, yeah, I agree that that physical, the physical weight mm-hmm. of grief is something I was completely unprepared for, and yeah, a lot of a lot of things I was unprepared for when it came. <laughs> to yeah, 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 but, um, yeah. Had no idea, had no idea, but you know, again, God has been faithful to to carry me through. So what are some specific ways that you are seeking to live well while you're waiting to see Adam again? I think one of my biggest things, um, you know, we've had these six wonderful grandchildren in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. And um, I I just feel like God has has put me in a place. uh, um, They all live close I can I can be in touch with them, and I think it is so important for me that I uh, communicate with them my faith. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, uh, Larry has a room that he does his Bible study in. Uh, I just fixed a place kind of off of our little kitchen area, and it's very, you know, you walk in our house and you see it, and, and my grandchildren see me there. They know that's where I pray for them. Uh, they know that's where I read God's word. And I just think it's important that they see that. Um, you know, I, I, I probably don't talk to them about God all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they know that I have certain things I believe and I don't believe. And they know that. And uh, I can keep in touch with them, not all the time because they're teenagers. They don't want to hear from me all the time. Sure. (laughs) But I can send them a text and I'll get a text back from each one of them. And sometimes I'll just shoot them all a scripture. Yeah. So to me, I feel like that's kind of my purpose right now at this time in my life. 
Absolutely. And those kids are waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. Yeah. Those kids Mm -hmm. see that your faith is a priority in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All the time. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. amazing. That's a wonderful example for sure. How about you, Larry? How are you living well while you're waiting? Well, I, uh, of course, the, the while we're waiting has been a big part of uh, of our lives in the mm-hmm. last last ten years, mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, I just I feel like God has uh, has called us just to to be a little bit of a light, just in because there's so much darkness, God. not not just from the losing a child that is you know everybody knows that's dark but this whole world is is just so much darkness and uh just a a little bit of light and a whole lot of dark is gives some illumination and so i I feel like that god has uh has called me to not only uh try to give hope and light to to parents that have lost children, but just to this entire world. Uh, yeah. to, I don't have the whole world anymore, but Hot Springs. Absolutely. Uh, and to just be a, a, a witness for him to, and uh, an example. just to try, because, you know, the kingdom is, uh, it's real. And uh, the kingdom, we we can be part of the kingdom right here. Yeah. And we're called to be a light and and to draw to increase the kingdom. And that's uh, that's what I have uh, tried to do. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's wonderful. You know, you mentioned while we're waiting and when. In the introductory podcast, I, I told the listeners all about while we're waiting and what the ministry is and all of that and, and how how we kind of became partners in this ministry. But I do have to ask you just honestly, when we went out to lunch that day and really we had never even talked to y'all before um, and we had that three and a half hour lunch. What What were you thinking? What were your thoughts when we brought up this idea of hosting retreats for bereaved parents to you? <laughs> Up until that day, uh, I hadn't really enjoyed, I, I enjoyed being around people, but I really, it, it gave me no encouragement or comfort. And so when we had lunch with you and Brad, oh my gosh, it was like a uh, breath of fresh air. And I knew, I knew talking to you that I wanted to get back with y'all uh, because you understood, you got it. And uh, even people that love me, they just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And uh so when y'all started talking about that retreat, and of course, remember, I'm thinking one or two a year. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, I thought, wow, that is a wonderful idea, mm-hmm. you know, because I knew what y'all were doing for us. And then maybe we can do this for somebody else. Right. You know, so that's kind of where I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I had, uh, you know, I kind of looked around to see if there was anything for a a parent that uh, that had lost a child, and there there was nothing. Right. And when you guys brought that up, you you and Brad, it was like, wow, there is something. It just hadn't come about yet. Right. And, uh, right. Uh, 
And so I thought, well, uh, you know, this this might work, but it it's it's sure worth a try. Yeah. To uh, yeah. Uh, and so it, it was. It, I, I was excited about it, mm-hmm. and especially after we met with uh, Stan and Donna May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the enthusiasm of them, you know. I, I, of course, you don't get more much more enthusiastic <laughs> than Mom and May. That's right. That's right. But they were so far out, and they had never been to anything. They had never had any help. And them coming to us after they were so far out and thinking it was wonderful. It was one of their best days. Right. You know, that, that was awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um for those that don't know, Stan and Donna May own a, a Christian day camp called Family Farm. And that's where when we sat down in that restaurant that day and we're first talking about the possibility of hosting bereaved parent retreats, we were kind of brainstorming where we might be able to do these. And we thought about Family Farm and we knew that the people that run it, Stan and Donna May, better known as Mama and Daddy May, had lost their son about 20 years uh, previously. And uh, so we contacted them and they were immediately all in and invited us to host our first retreat there. And we ended up doing retreats at that location for five years. And um, they were just wonderful. You know, we were still just a year, maybe a year and a half into our grief. You guys were just maybe six months since losing Adam and um, really, you know, we were excited and, and wanting to start these retreats and this new ministry and Stan and Donna, I think kind of looked at us and, and, you know, working their idea, it was our idea, but they're the ones who really guided us and, and yes, us yes. through those early retreats because we had no idea what we were doing. And, um, but I know it was a big step of faith for you guys to, to jump on board with Brad and I. You know, we at least had been to a bereaved parent retreat. So we kind of knew in our minds what we were, at least what we were talking about. You all were completely blind faith. So <laughs> we, we appreciate y'all, uh, you know, climbing on board. And, and uh, yeah, here we are 10 years, yeah. 131 retreats later. That We're thankful for you guys, yeah. you know, because we would have never gone that way without y'all. Right. Well, God brought us together. Uh, yeah, about it. And, you know, <laughs> it's all his because uh, we, we'd be in a, in a bad way, but he's taking care yeah. of us. So yeah. um, just one other thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, there has been a New York Times bestselling book that was written about Adam's life. Uh, the name of the book is Fearless, and it was written by Eric Blem. And I want to talk just a little bit about the book because um, I know other people, people who are listening, may be interested in learning a little bit more about Adam's life. Um, I know you all did not seek out this book opportunity. It's not something that you all financially benefit from or anything like that. So how did this book come to be, first of all? And then what what have you seen as a result of this book? Well, it came about... Uh actually before Adam was killed, he was in Las Vegas, uh, at a, one of the shows for, they were trying to sell the seals, you know, all their, their stuff. He's at one of those shows in Las Vegas and he met a guy named Rick Stewart and Rick Stewart's an, uh, he's an ex special forces guy. And, uh, he and Adam just kind of hit it off. Uh, they, uh, they were both, uh, Adam, basically, uh, Rick had a, uh, a survival kit thing with a fire starter in it. 
Adam was always a, a fire nut, and he just loved that fire starter that uh, that Rick had in this kit. And he he told Rick, he said, "I want to, I got to have one of these. I want to show it to my my second grade Sunday school class because Adam taught a, a young Sunday school class." He said, "I got to show it to them." And, and Rick uh, Rick's a real Christian guy, and he and so they just hit it off really good. And uh, then wasn't very long after that that Adam was killed, and and then Rick came to. Of course, he knows a, a lot of the uh, special forces guys, mm-hmm. and he came to Kelly and Janice and I, and said he wanted. To, and at the time, he was doing documentaries for the NRA, and uh, he wanted to do a documentary on Adam. So. You know, Adam wanted his story told, but he wanted the whole story told, not just the, the seal part. He wanted the the redemption side and the uh, the resurrection power of Jesus. That's what he really wanted people to know about. And uh, so we told Rick that, yeah, we could do that. Uh, you know, we'd cooperate in that. Uh, but, you know, we wanted the story told. And uh, he said, yeah, that's 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 the story. And so he did this documentary for the NRA, and we had gone to Pittsburgh for, the, and they was going to reveal the documentary to the NRA convention, and that's where we met a fellow named Eric Blim, mm-hmm. and he had previously he'd gotten a uh, advanced copy of the of the NRA documentary. He and Rick were friends. Mm-hmm. We yeah. come to find out. Yeah. But he come to us and he said, I, I want to write a book. And I, and we said, oh, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> and uh, so we talked about it and we met him and, you know, things just kind of happened. And uh, we didn't commit to him right then. He gave me a couple of his books and he said, take these books home, read them and see what you think about my style and everything. And I read the books and I, I really liked the way he wrote. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about it with Kelly and the family and everybody said, well, you know, I, I don't see that as long as he'll do it the way, uh, uh, way it wants to be done. And, and so we told him that and he came and he spent a lot of time here in Hot Springs. And uh, then he sent us the transcripts and we, we got to uh, make corrections to them or, or things deleted that, and he had no problem with anything. And, and uh, so when he uh, he published the book and it it immediately went on uh, the uh, New York Times bestseller list for mm-hmm. a month or so. Yeah. Well, and I will say here the one thing that Larry in particular, the whole family, when Rick came to us for the documentary, we said yes if it will glorify God and honor Adam. Right. And so when Eric Blim came to us, we said the same thing. Right. And he said he could do that. Yeah. And he did. Yeah, yeah, he did. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've had some, uh, I know you've heard from people, different people that have read the book and that it's had an impact on their lives. And um, from what I understand, there's even been uh, people who have um, who have gotten saved after reading the book. Is that right? Absolutely. Yes. We had a, we had a young man, I think he was 15 years old, call us Easter Sunday mm-hmm. and, um, why we answered that phone that day, you know, yeah. well, I do know God, God had us answer that phone. And, uh, cause we didn't, we didn't recognize the number or anything. And he had read Adam's book and, uh, 
he just wanted to know where Adam got um, got his strength. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we were able to share with him where, where Adam did get his strength from God and uh, led that young man to the Lord that day. Wow. So that was an awesome experience. Absolutely. We've gotten my emails over the years that, uh, you know, testified to the fact that not only did the, the, uh, people uh, use it to just be a better person, a better dad, mm-hmm. a better husband, but uh, also to, uh, to come to know Jesus and to be, uh, be saved. And so we get some of those emails and it, and it's just, uh, it's exciting uh, to know that uh, how God uses things that we don't. Uh, things that we didn't think were that good at the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you've seen Romans eight twenty eight actually come to life right before your eyes, haven't you? That's that's just so neat that that's the last scripture that you and Adam shared together, and now you're seeing it lived out. So, well, yeah, God has really used Adam's story uh, to touch a lot of lives, and and that book is a great book to share um, to anyone that's going through a struggle in their life, whether it's addiction or um, any other kind of issue, and it can be found on Amazon or at any other bookseller. Um, and I encourage you to get it if you haven't read it because it's a wonderful book. Um, it's even a book that, um, that teenage boys will read. Um, you know, a lot of teenage boys, there's, there's not a lot of things that they will read, but this is something that they can read that, that can have a positive impact on their lives. So I recommend it. All right, guys, we thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, I've enjoyed hearing some of the stories about your family that we don't usually get to talk about, uh, at a retreat because we don't have time or whatever. And, we're so grateful that God brought us together, yes. even though I'm sure I know we both wish it was for some other reasons. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you all have been a wonderful blessing in our lives and we appreciate y'all. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank Jill. you Jill. We love you guys. Love y'all too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We hope it brought you some comfort and encouragement today and maybe made you feel a little less alone on the journey. Please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and and maybe leave us a rating in iTunes to help others find the podcast. Again, we're glad you spent a few minutes with us today. It's a blessing to walk beside you as we seek to live well while we're waiting.